So it's Friday night, I'm getting ready to go out. I'm feeling kind, but before I go out, I gotta pregame. And the only way I pregame is with an ice cold Bud Light. So good. Ah. That was the most disturbing cold open we've ever done. I suppose I owe you an apology. And we're only 10 seconds into the program. I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. It's May 24th, 2023. We're live streaming, as always, on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. If you haven't joined us at Locals yet, do it. <laughs> Come on. RubinReport.Locals.com. However, in full disclosure, there will be no post-game show today. I've got a thing. Trust me. Good reasons. I'll get into them uh, next week. But uh, we got a good show for you today. Uh, you know, people often ask me, Dave, what do you do in your free time? We know you're uh, focused on the program and you must devote all of your life to politics and everything else. But every now and again, uh, when it's late night and I have a little tequila and I'm sitting on the couch and the kids are asleep, I'm flipping through YouTube or Rumble, whatever it might be, and I watch a lot of old television. I think there's something about old TV. It reminds me of something, perhaps something that I could help usher a resurgence of in our uh, quasi-modern time, so to speak. Uh, and I watch a lot of the old Johnny Carson Tonight Show, and I saw something related to Budweiser that is so relative to what's going on these days that we're going to Compare and contrast Budweiser from 1975 to Bud Light in uh, 2023 and a couple other cultural things related to Canada, Italy, and more. And then we got a rubenreport.locals.com community Q&A. And before we get to that, let me talk to you about Ramp. Do you feel like your finance software isn't cutting it? Do you want the latest and greatest in financial software to simply spend, help you save time, and keep you from getting trapped in busy work? Check out Ramp. Ramp is the corporate card and expense management software designed to help you save time and put money back in the pocket, in your pocket. Ramp gives uh, finance teams unprecedented control and insight into company spend. With Ramp, you're able to issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Ramp's accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so you don't have to. You'll never have to chase down a receipt again and your employees will no longer spend hours submitting expense reports. The time you'll save each month on employee expenses will allow you to close your books eight times faster. Ramp saves you money. Businesses that use Ramp save an average of 3.5% in the first year. And now get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash Ruben. That's ramp.com slash Ruben. R-A-M-P dot com slash Ruben. And now back to me. Okay, so you guys know about all this craziness related to uh, wokeness infecting all of our institutions and destroying pretty much everything, whether it's educational institutions, political institutions, corporate institutions, entertainment institutions, beer institutions like Budweiser, the uh, parent beer of Bud Light, owned by Anheuser-Busch, of course. Uh, and what sparked much of the latest brouhaha was that Bud Light sponsored Dylan Mulvaney. This is a dude dressed as a chick uh, who got his face on a can of beer and it has almost completely destroyed the Bud Light brand. Uh, you may remember this and then you'll see why I'm showing it to you. Hi, impressive carrying skills, right? I got some Bud Lights for us. So I kept hearing about this thing called March Madness and I thought we were all just having a hectic month, but it turns out it has something to do with sports. 
and I'm not sure exactly which sport, but either way, it's a cause to celebrate. This month, I celebrated my day 365 of womanhood, and Bud Light sent me possibly the best gift ever, a can with my face on it. Check out my Instagram story to see how you can enjoy March Madness with Bud Light and maybe win some money, too. Love ya! Don't love you back. Uh, okay, you guys know the fallout from this thing. Bud Light is stuck on shelves. Anheuser-Busch offered like this half-assed apology. I think they like suspended or slightly removed with pay the woman who was in charge of this. They were embarrassed by their own customers. I mean, just an absolute catastrophic mess for the company. And I have to say, it's good to see because one way you can push back against this nonsense is with your dollars. Now you might be going, Dave, why are you showing me this? This thing happened, you know, a, a month ago, six weeks ago, whatever it might be. There is a reason because at night I do watch, I usually watch old Carson Tonight shows. Sometimes I watch Seinfeld. I watch old Simpsons episodes, things like that. Uh, but I was watching a Johnny Carson Tonight show last night with, it was a guest host, so it wasn't Carson hosting. It was Joey Bishop was guest hosting. This has got to be around 1975. And the guests, the reason I was watching this particular episode, were Frank Sinatra and uh, Dean Martin. And I love Sinatra and I love Dean and I love them together. And they used to get up there and they'd be drinking and it was unscripted and it was politically incorrect and just absolutely beautiful. Anyway, they go to commercial and they have Ed McMahon doing a Budweiser commercial sort of in studio. Watch this and just see how in 40 plus years, how things have changed so drastically. It's, this is just great. Watch this. And now, here, speaking in round figures for the King of Beers is Ed McMahon. Did you ever think about all the sandwiches that are consumed across the country during just one evening's Tonight Show? For example, there are thousands of loaves of bread, hundreds of slices of cold cuts, jar after jar of mustard, actually tons and tons of pickles. And when all those sandwiches are enjoyed, Here's a safe bet on what's being enjoyed right along with them. That, of course, would be Budweiser. Bud is the largest selling beer in the world. A bottle of Bud and let that flavor out. Here's a beer that makes it mighty clear what taste is all about. If you're planning an icebox uh, raid tonight, go right ahead and pour yourself a Budweiser to go right along with that sandwich. It could possibly cost a little more, but as the echo says, it's that Budweiser taste that makes it worth it. It is worth it. It's Budweiser. <laughs> I mean, isn't that something? As Ed McMahon is kind of laughing through it, this is the way they used to do advertising on television. They've actually brought that method back a little bit in the last couple of years where hosts do those sort of reads. It's not too far from the type of reads we do here. But isn't it something? He's 
selling beer or Budweiser is selling beer because it tastes good, right? That's why they're trying to get you to buy the beer. It tastes good. And he's saying it might cost you a little bit more, but it tastes good. So it's worth it. You might enjoy it when you're watching a game and eating a sandwich with a giant vat of mustard. It was an awful lot of mustard. How different in 40-something years? I'm not even telling you that was the greatest commercial ever or any, or how marketing was or anything, but just the simple fact that back then all that Budweiser wanted to do was sell beer, and they thought that was an effective way of doing it on The Tonight Show with Ed McMahon, the sidekick to Johnny Carson, and we're going to do these live reads. And not pandering to an audience that doesn't even drink their beer, actually going to the people who might drink it, saying, this is why you're going to like it. This is why you're going to pay your hard-earned dollars for it. And that is just so starkly different than what has happened, you know, 40 plus years later. And Bud Light and Budweiser and Anheuser-Busch, the entire family is paying the price for it. And anyway, I just saw it last night and I thought you guys would, would find it interesting. And it does sort of link to the other uh, story that I wanted to do on today's show because uh, you know this Justin Trudeau fella, you know him up in Canada, this very sort of asexual, but I wear nice socks as I oppress women and arrest people and close their bank accounts and da 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 guy. Well, he was uh, at the G7 meeting and he was sitting across from Italy's new prime minister, Georgia Maloney. And you might know Georgia Maloney. We've played a couple of videos of her. She has come into Italy and she is turning it around. They are not dealing with any of this woke nonsense. She is fighting to protect her country's border and culture. And uh, it's, it's working. It's actually working. So, of course, mainstream media is calling her a fascist and all that. And here's Justin Trudeau trying to, uh, trying to well, I was going to say manhandle, trying to do whatever it is that he does uh, beat her over the head with his LGBT nonsense. Obviously, uh, Canada is concerned about some of the uh, some of the positionings uh, that uh, Italy is taking in terms of the LGBT rights. But I look forward to talking with you about that uh, because we're here at the G7 as a, as an assembly of countries that uh, that are promoting the kinds of uh, strong values and democratic principles that the world needs. And I, I always look forward to those conversations with you. God, isn't he just gross lecturing another world leader about what she's doing related to LGBT rights? Now, to be clear, Italy has done nothing to LGBT rights. They've done something sort of similar to what's going on here in Florida and a couple other red states where they don't want some of this stuff being pushed on children and in school, but they have not taken away gay people's rights or anything else. But you see the way he can't even look at her. She's got her legs crossed directly at him, looking at him the entire time. He can't even look at her. And I would connect this to a bit of what we've talked about a bunch over the last couple months, this sort of idea that nations have a right to decide what they want to do. I would not be for any nation that wanted to punish or imprison or whatever its gay people or its, or its other minorities or whatever else, right? I believe that there are universal human rights, but every nation can decide what it wants to teach its people, how it wants to protect its borders and everything else. And that's what the globalists fear the most. The globalists want one world government and everybody will be controlled beneath that. What we should want are strong independent states that do what they want that hopefully is in conjunction with freeing as many of their people as possible so that they can prosper and do what they want with their lives and then maintain their cultural traditions and their languages and foods and music and all of that stuff. And then you can figure out where to work together when you have common interests, as opposed to just being told what to do, what you should do 
by, say, Klaus Schwab. That would be bad. Italy is not just protecting its uh, culture. It's also protecting uh, the way that it eats. Check this out from Forbes. Italy will ban the sale of lab-grown meat and other synthetic foods, choosing heritage, natural, over laboratories, fake. Anyone who find, uh, violates this will face fines up to 60,000 lira. Again, I thought this was interesting, not that the, the meat versus not meat, okay, is what it is, but they're saying, hey, we don't have to do this in the name of climate. We it, we're Italian. We love good food. Manja everybody, right? Like we don't have to go down this path. Now they're banning it. You might say that that's a bit extreme. Perhaps it is, uh, but they're doing what they think is right. And of course, the whole world and the G7 and the globalists and everything, they're very angry at them because they want them to cut back on meat and eat bugs like the rest of you will be eating bugs as you're in Mark Zuckerberg's uh, metaverse. Um, but another thing going on in Italy is this climate act. This is this is really wild and it shows you how out of control these people are. Uh, climate activists, you may have seen this, uh, jumped into Rome's Trevi Fountain, which is a legendary found in Rome, I've been there, uh, and they poured black diluted chemicals in the water to protest climate change. I don't think Maloney's gonna t uh, stand for this. Climate activists turned the blue waters of the famous Trevi Fountain black by dumping charcoal into it. The protest was aimed at the Italian government and its use of fossil fuels as historic floods ravaged parts of the country. All of the activists were arrested. Officials say they'll now have to drain the fountain entirely, throwing out 66,000 gallons of water and disappointing a lot of tourists. You see how the media even frames it, that it's somehow the drought and now the floods and that, that somehow has to do with fossil fuels. There's just no evidence of any of this nonsense. But anyway, I bring all of these things up, whether it's the Budweiser thing or Italy banning these meats. It's like everybody... Which what direction are we going in? Are we going in a direction where we're more mature, where we sell products to people uh, for good reasons, where we look at our citizens and we defend what it is they want or whether we're going to go all in and we're going to ruin all of our fountains and our historical monuments and whether we're going to trash all of our beers and whatever else we drink and all of that stuff. That question remains to be seen. Let's talk about Birch Gold Group and then we'll get to the Rubin Report Community Q&A. Uh, President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago home, quote, our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be our greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. There are reasons the central banks are dumping the dollar, inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. Fact is, guys, there's one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and political and eco economic upheaval dating back to biblical times. Yeah, you guessed it, gold. And you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Just visit birchgold.com Dave for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the entire process. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? I don't know. Uh, protect your savings with gold like I did. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Visit birchgold.com slash Dave to get your free info kit on gold. Again, visit birchgold.com slash Dave. And now back to me. Okay, rubinreport.locals.com community Q&A. Here we go. Prusky says, do you think that Nikki Haley, Vivek, Mike Pence, and Trump are all sticking up for Disney? 
because maybe if they don't, other corporations won't fund their presidential campaign. It's obvious to me that Governor DeSantis is a threat to them, but I wonder if that's why, or if they're just as ignorant uh, to what Governor DeSantis has truly done to Disney and the state of Florida. And as oh, as I always say, thank you for what you do. Uh, you're quite welcome, and I'm glad you're part of the community. Um, I don't think it's ignorance. I don't think that their miscalculation on this is ignorance. You can't tell me honestly that Vivek and Nikki Haley don't know what they're saying, right? They're doing this because they think this is a way to get DeSantis. It's, I, and I really hate that sort of political posturing. It's like, you can't say you're against woke. And then when the one guy uh, does something about woke, like the most damaging thing to woke that's possible, uh, he actually affects their, their bottom line, which maybe could turn around a giant corporation that every kid watches all their programming and everything else. If that's the guy you're going after, you're making a real mistake. So I don't think they're ignorant. I think it's probably somewhat related to donations. I, I try not to go too far down that road with people because I don't want to think that, look, people get money in campaigns from all sorts of people. I don't think everything is exactly quid pro quo, but there is some level of that for sure. So it probably has something to do with donations, but it mostly has to do with they're going after the guy who is who I really believe is number one right now. I don't think it's Trump, which is why everyone is going after Trump. I think after DeSantis announces, you're going to see some real shifts in things. It may not bear out in the polls immediately, um, but we know that there is a huge amount. I mean, this is, this is poll after poll shows this. There's a huge amount of soft support for Trump, meaning Trump's got that 30% base no matter what, and that may get him over the finish line for sure. But there's about 70% of Republicans that are undecided. They are willing to look in a different direction. And sometimes you wait for the guy to freaking jump in. So I think it's somewhat cynical what they're all doing. And DeSantis has done the right thing. And I think when people do the right thing, you gotta, you gotta help them along the way. Uh, Amy says, what was the total banana yield from your tree? And what are you gonna do or make with them? So we got, we'll throw a picture up of uh, our bananas. We have a banana tree uh, in the backyard. And you know, banana trees uh, this time of year, they, they, we got about three bunches right now. Each bunch, how many bananas on a banana bunch? Can we Google that? I guess there's gotta be about 60 bananas on a banana bunch, something like that. So we've got a lot of bananas here and we've got another bunch that's about to come down. And then, you know, I didn't know this about the banana tree, but when that stalk goes, gives you the banana bunch, uh, the stalk basically dies. So you cut it out and then another one just starts growing almost immediately. So we're already growing for what will be the bananas of next year. Uh, I am told that there are 200 bananas in a bunch and a cluster of bananas is 10 to 20 bananas. Uh, yeah, so we've got an awful lot of bananas here. David's been making some banana ice cream. Uh, we've been giving the kids a little banana. I've been having a banana each morning. Would you guys like some bananas? Phoenix's girlfriend just made banana bread with other bananas, actually. So I'm gonna give you some bananas to leave with. We'll have some more banana bread. Been a lot of bananas around here. And I say bananas all the time, so it's very fitting. Uh, Communist Cat says, have you seen the birth gap birth rate documentary, and what are your thoughts? Would you be interested in covering it on the show? I have not seen the document documentary yet. A few people have mentioned it to me. Uh, it was one of the things that came up repeatedly when I was in Israel and Hungary. You know, Israel and Hungary, which are, you know, Western nations in the way that they behave, uh, they have strong birth rates right now. A lot of Western nations do not. J Japan, for example, um, is basically facing population collapse, that people are having children much older. So, you know, back in the day, if you think about 
if you're about my age, mid forties, your grandparents usually had kids 18, 19, 20, 21. Now people aren't having kids into their late twenties, even thirties. I, I mean, I didn't become a father until 46. Uh, that then changes the replacement rate and all of those things. So I am interested in this and why certain nations are doing it right. And what are the incentives that government can give so that you will have a big family, which um, I can tell you as a new father is probably the most rewarding thing that you could do. Uh, we Can Save America 2024 says, Dave Rubin, Klan and Community, what do you all think about the way we are selling missiles like candy when the Democrats are literally breaking our backs over climate change, rush to do electric cars, cows are killing the ozone, wanting us to eat fake food, gas prices are so high, people are more worried about gas than buying food. How in the world is that good for climate change? I think you're onto something, you know, look, at the end of the day, putting red, blue, Democrat, Republican aside, war is seemingly always good for business. That's why it's almost like, you know, we wrapped up that Afghanistan war that nobody knew why we were there for 20 some odd years, even though 9-11 was more guys in Saudi Arabia, but we went to the war, okay, we're gonna attack the Taliban, beat them there so they don't come here. All the money, all of the gold, all of the, the fruits of it, we left most of the stuff there. We then buy more stuff. We shoot missiles all over the place. War is good for business. It's, it's an unfortunate reality. But uh, yes, you would think, I suppose, that the people maybe who are so screaming all the time about climate change would be upset that there's so much stuff blowing up uh, relative to Ukraine and we should be scaling that back. But, uh, you know. Logic isn't the best for these people. Uh, Elizabeth says, what do you make of trigonometry having their bank account closed? Do you think it was an error or political retaliation? I'm leaning towards retaliation. So uh, trigonometry, which is hosted by Constantine Kissin, and he's got a, uh, what's the other guy's name on the podcast? Uh, Francis, we'll get it, Francis, something or other. Uh, but Constantine I had on the show couple weeks back, great guys uh, over in the UK, um, their bank account, the show's bank account was closed and it does seem like it had some sort of political bent. The bank that they were with had this entire diversity, equity and inclusion thing. It's Francis Foster is his name. Um, so it does seem that there's a political bent and it does seem like, look, debanking, banks just getting together and basically saying these types of people we will not work with whether it's because of political views, their views on guns, they said something inappropriate, blah, blah, blah. This is a seriously dangerous escalation in the next version of all of this, right? What happened a year ago with the Canadian truckers? They were gonna close bank accounts, you wouldn't be able to move money, all of these things. They were gonna try to track all of your transfers, which they're probably doing to all of us as is. Um, this is why I say we need a parallel economy when it comes to everything. It's not just that Rumble's building the alternative to Amazon AWS, Amazon Web Services, and an alternative to YouTube. We need alternative payment processors, which we are working on. We need alternative email, right? Gmail, they're scanning all your emails. We all know all of this stuff. Um, so my guess is in this case, this was not an accident. It probably was quite direct. I don't know what the subsequent fallout has been on that. We'll check on that. Uh, Florida Man Chuck says, do you think the non-Democrats will be able to rally behind a single candidate or do you think, think things will be divided between Trump and DeSantis? I feel like if, if we even have 51% of the votes, if it's split between two candidates, the American people lose again. Look, obviously you guys know my feelings about the Trump-DeSantis situation and 
having voted for Trump and basically liking Trump, and maybe I'll vote for him again if the DeSantis thing doesn't work out. DeSantis obviously seems like the better choice. He's the guy that the crossover people can come to. As I always say, think of all of the family members, all of the friends, all of the people you heard on the media say, I like Trump, I like the policies. I just don't like him. I don't like grabbing by the pussy. I don't like the Twitter stuff, blah, blah. With DeSantis, you have all that and you have more effective policies and you have someone far younger and far more disciplined and he's got young kids and a good family and all, all of those things. I'm not saying Trump doesn't have a good family. You, you get it though. So he's the guy that could bring, like what, let's put it this way. The, the Bill Maher types, and I get it, Bill Maher's never gonna get there. He has too much invested in his career as the liberal or whatever it'll be, and he'll be rallying the day before the election after he'll, he's railed against woke for two more years. The day before the election, he'll be telling people to vote for the Democrat to save democracy. Okay, fine. But that set of people who are the people that can move, the people who have woke up to the evils of the Democrat party, but they're still nervous about Republicans, DeSantis is the crossover guy, the Elon Musk types, right? The Joe Rogan. Elon Musk obviously will vote for, De, uh, for DeSantis. Joe Rogan obviously will vote for DeSantis. I don't know that either one of them would vote for Trump. I don't think they would. I don't think they did last time. So this is the chance. This is the great chance America has to reset this thing, and I hope people see that. Uh, Williams says, although I like Trump as president, and he might be a great president again, it does seem slash feel to me that he will not be able to get himself reelected. How is he going to get new votes or the neutral or independent votes? For example, a Joe Rogan or Elon Musk vote, I just can't see him getting new or more votes. You see, this is proof that uh, I take these questions on the fly. I mean, I basically just answered that. Um, but I would say to answer your, your direct question there, where are the new Trump voters? Let, let's say, let's, if we all agree basically that, that DeSantis can get some new guys, the Elons, the Joes, and the people that would come with that, where is it that Trump could get new voters? Now, you could definitely see a certain amount of Trump people being like, I've just had it. I don't want to do this again. The election stuff and the fraud and the name calling and going after DeSantis. You could see a certain amount of people just being like, I'm not going to do it again. Like I did it. It was fun. I'm just not going to do it. So that that would cause less votes. Where is the new Trump voter? Is it is it the kid who just now can get, can vote for the first time, who suddenly is like, yes, I do love Trump. Like that doesn't seem real. Is it someone that's so disgusted by Joe Biden that they're going to move to Trump? I don't think so. So it's just reality. It's just reality. Bo Jackson, is it the original Bo Jackson says, uh, what's up, Dave? Thank you for all the content and you and your team continue to produce as a former Question mark, stand up. What's your favorite joke that you found breaks the ice to either start your set or gain the audience back if things aren't going that well on stage? I have to tell you, uh, you know, I never bombed that much. I really didn't. Like every comic has bombed for sure, like without question, uh, except for one little period of my career. It was actually right when I sort of came out publicly and I was shifting my stand up a little bit and, you know, I, I knew it wasn't going to work and it wasn't really what I wanted to talk about. And, you know, to, to quote Mar, uh, Homer Simpson, Marge, I like my beers cold and my homosexuals flaming. That's what Homer said. Uh, that's what stand up audiences wanted. So when I came out, I was still who I was and I was talking about this stuff that didn't jive for the audiences. They were used to over the top gay guys. Oh my God. There's ah. So that was really the only time I kind of struggled. But I, you know, a simple, if, if the joke just flops, literally a kind of deadpan, is this thing on? It works. It always works. It's just one of those things that always works. But I was always messing around. For any of you that have seen me on book tours or any of the other things that I've done in the last couple of years, 
I was always kind of messing around with the crowd more and, and playing with what was going on in that room as opposed to being super scripted. So, you know, so there were some comics that they can't improv their way out of a wet paper bag, you know, so they can only do jokes. They can't go off script. So if the joke's not working and now two jokes don't work and now three jokes don't work, they, they can't do anything back out of that. I never really had that issue because I was always just kind of bobbing and weaving my way through it. Uh, Lloyd, what do you think of the NAACP issuing a travel advisory for Florida? Have they gone far beyond their original focus on civil rights? Yes. Look, much like the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, much like GLAD, gays, lesbians, against something, something. These organizations, once you, once you accomplish what you want in terms of civil rights, we want to make sure women can vote. We want to make sure gay people can get married. We want to make sure black people can vote, whatever, whatever those things are, to accomplish equality. Once you've done that, you really should close up shop. But nonprofits and any organization doesn't want to close, oh, we've done everything, guys, let's have that final dinner, we did everything we wanted to do. No, you gotta go find more problems. As Chris Rock says, I quote it all the time, the cops need a certain amount of crime. So they could have closed up shop, right? There's no reason it's not to say that racism doesn't exist. We all know this. Of course, racism exists. There are going to be some racists. It's just how it is. There always have been. There always will be. And if you think you can eliminate racism, you're going to have to kill a lot of people. Uh, but these organizations have gone well past their mandate. This, this Florida thing is so profoundly ridiculous. And all it does is, is serve the people who want everyone to be divided by race. Anyone watching this right now I have no doubt we have some black viewers. You're welcome here in Florida. And I would say just like white people, you will flourish here because we have no state income tax. We have safe roads and safe cities. Everyone is flourishing down here. The weather is great. And, uh, and the mosquitoes, you can spray for them. So it's all good. Mike says, DeSantis has accomplished a lot, but is there a chance you could support Elder in a primary? I mean, look, I love and adore Larry. As we talked about on the show yesterday, he's been so integral in my political evolution and, and so many things connected to my life and just the whole thing. Um, I will, I'm certainly not gonna badmouth him. I, I want him to stay in the race as long as possible and all of that stuff. I think it is great that Larry will be on stage to get some of his ideas out there. I think, you know, he's gonna have trouble fundraising because I don't think people really think he's gonna be president. So, you know, he'll get to a debate or two and then eventually when the money runs out, you, you're just kind of, you. You are where you are. And Larry, if you're watching this, you know how I feel about you. So this is not going after you in any way. Um, I, think, I think he would be, make a great addition to any administration, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe even a VP. Um, but just clearly, I think, I think this is DeSantis's chance. And so I'll support Larry however I can in terms of the ideas and all of those things. But obviously in terms of support, who I think is the next president. You guys got it. Uh, Spike says, Trump may be entertaining, but his strategy is to be the loudest on the potential stage. So the primary really looks like it'll be the noisy one versus any number of quality and good policymaking candidates. So do you think it'll roll that way? Look, yeah, basically, right? Like, that's why the Trump thing has been so frustrating to me personally, because I really, I mean, just go back to my videos of two, three months ago. I really did not want to have to go after Trump and I really did not want Trump to behave this way. And if you watch my, uh, the, the show that we did with uh, Patrick Bet David up in Fort Lauderdale, when I was on Valuetainment, they did the live show in front of about three, 400 people. I'm on with Rudy. Rudy's obviously the Trump guy. I'm the DeSantis guy. And I kept saying to Rudy, the attacks aren't working. The attacks aren't working. And lo and behold, about two days later, Trump stopped 
the, the rhino globalist attacks because they were so obviously not true. But he's throwing out the kitchen sink, Soros loves him, uh, you know, like all of this stuff. It's like, dude, it's not working. And if, if in your quest for power, if in your quest for it has to be me again, I'm willing to do everything I can to destroy the best guy that we got. Look, I think deep down, even the people that are supporting Trump the hardest right now, they know DeSantis is, is the better candidate, but they're showing a certain degree of loyalty. There, there is something to be said for that. There really is. Um, but there is a younger, stronger, more disciplined, more effective version out right now. And I just think, I think if, DeSantis, if DeSantis sticks to that, that, that competency, that clarity, that communication, doesn't play the games, and I think he's, I think he's disciplined enough to do it. I think if he does that, Trump's going to kind of spin out of control. But again, for the Trump people watching this, and for for old Don himself, if he's watching this, there is an out here, man. Like this doesn't have to be. We're going to burn down the whole thing. It could literally be. Boy, you know what? I guess things changed a little bit. And you know, I, I was a little crazy with DeSantis, but actually he is a good guy. It's just politics. Let's go win this thing. Let's get rid of the radical left and the Democrats. Wouldn't that be something? And then you're the freaking hero. Like you still can be the kingmaker. There's such an obvious out for Trump and I want him to know that. I think he should know that and hopefully he does know that. Uh, Joe says, what is your vote in the famous infamous dad shoes? You know, the ones, the white new balance shoes with the blue trim that turned green by the end of the summer. Yay or nay. I believe my brother who is a uh, three-time father has those shoes. And my dad certainly has those shoes. I do not have those shoes. Uh, I usually wear more sort of sporty Nike, you know, Air Max kind of things. However, and I got in a little trouble for it this weekend. You guys, oh, I'm wearing them right now. You guys know I love my, uh, I love my sliders, right? I love my sliders. I wear these things all the time. They're comfortable. You know, if I'm just out and about, I'm going to the supermarket, whatever. This weekend, I almost walked out of the house while wearing socks with the sliders, with shorts. And David said to me, what are you doing? You, you cannot be seen like that. Someone could take a picture of you. But we used to live in West Hollywood where there were these Russian immigrants and they were always walking around with socks and sliders. I thought these people seemed very comfortable. But anyway, I guess it's a big faux pas, but is there anything more dad-like socks and flip-flops? I know I'm gonna, I'm gonna get more hate mail for this show than anything we've done lately. Even when I accidentally said that Tim Scott was gay, which again, we have no evidence of. Uh, Optimus147 says, so first there was a war on men or toxic masculinity, and now there's a war on women. Is it some sort of payback? That's actually hilarious, right? It's all so stupid. We're in a giant gender war by a bunch of people who pretty much just can't get laid. Like that's what it seems like it all comes down to. If you can't get laid like a normal person, like everyone used to go out there and get laid however you had to do it, then you just attack everyone else for their genitals, pretty much. It's all so dumb. Kyle says, would you consider interviewing Janet Nunez, who's the lieutenant governor of Florida, if DeSantis is elected president, she will succeed DeSantis as governor of Florida and finish his term. I feel like she has understandably kept a somewhat low profile in the administration, and I'm curious on how she would continue DeSantis's legacy. You know, I've met her a couple times at events in the last year and a half or so, and I did do a very brief interview with her on election night. If you remember, we were at the DeSantis campaign headquarters, really a big party, uh, because they knew <laughs> what was going to happen uh, for uh, back in November. And I interviewed a couple people just in the room there. It was a little hard to hear because there was so much cheering and screaming. Look, I like her a lot. I think she's really effective. She strikes me as like deeply kind of pleasant and nice. I think she would keep the agenda going. 
my guess is this, assuming DeSantis announces in the next couple of days, I think they're going to do more. Usually when, when a senator or a governor or whatever, a mayor announces, they're just like all in on the run and that's it. Now, he closed up the legislative session here, but I have a feeling that they will start seeding the ground with the types of people that should be leading Florida effectively. I, I think there's a really strong mach machinery here. I think Jeanette Nunez would be a, a great governor. I think there's plenty of other people that maybe could jump into that role. It seems to me fairly obvious that Byron Donalds has a huge future in front of him and, and plenty of other people. So I think Florida will remain free. And look, if Trump becomes the nominee and or president and we're left with DeSantis round two, I think we'll be okay too. So uh, Florida is going to be just fine. Uh, guys, if you have not subscribed already, please do at Ruben Report at rumble.com slash Ruben Report or rubenreport.com slash locals. Uh, as I said, there is no post-game show today because I have to go somewhere. So we will not have a show tomorrow, but I will be back on Friday. Okay, see you later. If you're listening to this on audio, I'm winking right now. Goodbye. to the Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.